Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Uh, before we start our show, I just want to give a quick shout out that if you guys are looking for any help with your Flutter projects or Elixir or Rust, feel free to reach out to us. Go to our website at www.plangora.com. That's Plangora, P-L-A-N-G-O-R-A.com. And go ahead and contact us and we should be able to hook you up with some help. Uh, now back to the show. We have a very special guest who is, we're kind of similar hometown area. Uh, Joe, is, I think it's pronounced Hawking. I forgot to mm-hmm. ask you about that. So sounds correct. Would you shake in your head? Yes. Yes. So uh, Joe Hawking, who is a uh, author of uh, Unity in Action from Manning. And he is a, I guess I would say, seasoned developer in Unity and uh, just general game development. Um, so the reason I brought him on here is because we had an episode about you know, Unity and Flutter, and I think it'd be good to kind of hear more about Unity. Um, so I know that a lot of people are interested in making games, and of course, Unity is a game engine as opposed to Flutter, which is for making apps. We also have the Flame engine, which also came out recently, or I think version 1.0. Um, but there's limits, right? And I think that, um, you know, with apps like Wallace and Gromit, where you can mix the two, Flutter and Unity, that this could be a a uh, very great tool for you guys to pick up if you're interested to do something similar. So enough of my long-winded talk. Joe, uh, thanks for waiting for me. Now it's time for you to do a quick intro about yourself. Go ahead. Sure. Um, well, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, started using the um, uh, quite quite uh, some time ago, actually, uh, almost exactly a decade ago, um, I started using Unity. Um, I, and then when I started using Unity, uh, I, I was coming, you know, I already knew how to program though when I started. So, uh, and I, I just remember back then it was really frustrating for me, um, when I was learning Unity just because a lot of the learning materials I was finding were, um, at the time they were all assuming that you're like sort of basically new to developing anything, you know, and, and so it was all these learning materials. It was all these tutorials that would start by, um, teaching like, Oh, this is, this is what a variable is. This is what a function is. And I, I, every time I, oh my God. And so, um, when this tech book publisher, um, yeah, you already mentioned Manning, uh, when they contacted me about writing a book on Unity, um, what I decided to do is write a book, um, pretty much what I wish had existed when I was first learning Unity. It was, it was, I wrote a book that was kind of like, okay, you as the reader, you already know how to program. But I'm going to teach you Unity, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, we're, I'm just going to assume you already know what a variable is and, and stuff like that, and uh, just get into how Unity operates. Um, so yeah, that's what I wrote um, as far as the book. Um, uh, so I went, at the time, I was um, I was working for this company called uh, Synapse Games here in Chicago, um, and. Uh, I was uh, making web games for them uh, at the time, uh, but this was right around when the bottom fell out of that market. Like web game, nobody, you know. I don't know if you remember. Everyone was into playing like Facebook games and, and but wait, stuff. Can like we that. talk about what is what is the technology you're using to make web games? Was that Flash? I'm guessing. Uh yeah, yeah, that was Flash. Which again, just another example of like, yep, Flash is gone. You know, it's dead as a dodo. So anyway, um. But yeah, so my boss at Synapse Games, he, he wanted to pivot the studio's products. He wanted to pivot to mobile games. And so he asked me to investigate some options for 
developing mobile games. And uh, one of the options I investigated, um, the one I liked the most, and then after I presented it to him, the one he liked the most as well was uh, was Unity. And so, um, so that's that's when I started using Unity to port our games uh, over to mobile. And um, I I took to it so well that, uh, like I said, I, I tech book publisher reached out to me and was like, "Oh wow, you you really know what you're doing. You want to write a book about this." Can you talk a little bit more about the other? Because um, this is obviously, I think you said ten years in Unity, right? So, mm. what else was actually out there when you evaluated uh, at the time? Uh, so at the at the time, um, there and and some of these um, options they uh, they still exist, but maybe in like slightly different forms. Whereas like others, like just plain don't exist anymore. Like um, we looked at, or I looked at, for example, uh, using Cocos Two D, which is this. Uh, library um I, I don't know what they call it these days i'm pretty sure it's been like rebranded or something but um yeah, that was an interesting option it it's a purely a 2d engine though i mean it is nice uh, to even though we were making 2d games um it would be nice to have that option to work with 3d graphics and and, and that turned out to be super prescient that you know thinking but um meanwhile we also uh, i evaluated like um, what if we were making HTML5 games? And even though I would say these days, actually, that's a viable option to just like make, you know, um, HTML5 games as, as like hybrid apps and that, that kind of thing. At the time, it was just too primitive to really, you know, do really interesting stuff with. So I would say even today, making the decision, I, I, I would still probably choose Unity for sure, but like, it's it, it definitely is like a very different landscape. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's less of a you know obvious yes these days than it would have been back then for sure. So I'm kind of curious about what was like the deciding factor. Was it the fact that it's cross platform, or was it? Um, um, yeah, I mean, because you said if it's Cocoa, right? That sounds like Apple only. So to actually hit the Android market, we'll be able to do it. Like I was I was talking about Corona SDK. That one's cross platform. Uh, there's another library called Cocos 2D, which only, um, which I believe is like, they have a port that runs on Android as well. But like, yes, it, it, it was initially designed specifically for like, you know, um, iOS. In the end, the, the whole cross platform thing, I don't know if that by itself was the deciding factor, but that is definitely one huge advantage of Unity is like, it's just like ridiculous the cross platform. I mean, it's not just cross platform like on mobile it's like you, you can deploy unity to you know desktop you can deploy it to web games you can you can deploy these mobile apps um uh you, you can deploy it to like now like these different vr headsets like i mean it is ridiculously cross-platform yeah i i actually was using unity quite a few years ago mm -hmm. but um i wasn't actually a developer on that project uh so it was a little bit more hands-off i was just kind of managing it and uh, the reason that we picked it was because um, we wanted to export to different platforms and also the last, like it was actually a rewrite of another application. Uh, we're, it was like an app to interface with the systems of the company, which was using um, these uh, cameras in forestry where you could detect, like they had a color camera, which would have an algorithm to detect smoke. Based on, I guess, the way the colors or something. I'm not too sure about the algorithm. 
but and also another one which is a thermal camera which would detect heat and so it's all about how to detect forest fires right because Ooh, the thing is if you, usually they have one guy who's up in a tower and you know people get bored right because there's not a forest fire at once a week or once a month it's like <laughs> once in a while and so when you're looking out with binoculars you're going to get bored you're probably going to pass out and fall asleep you know just because it's so boring i think that's that's my guess but you know having a computer keep doing it for you is not a problem uh, and but to like interface with the cameras and stuff, they use like a Python game engine to do this, and so they want something better. And so we looked looked at Unity and we were writing everything in Unity um, because at the time I I never heard of Flutter at the time. I don't know if Flutter is even around at this time. This was like I wouldn't be surprised if it was like ten years ago or something crazy like that. So, uh, but yeah, Unity was something for us, and actually uh, it was actually pretty cool because we actually the way that that app worked is that you'd have to uh, take the camera know where it is on the earth and then take a look at the angle and then draw a line from the angle of the lens down. And then because if you had a mountain, right, and you didn't have everything properly done with the earth, you could be hitting behind the fire or in front of the fire rather than right on the fire to try to detect where the fire could be. So I remember with Unity, we could actually draw the whole earth along with all the inconsistencies because, you know, the earth is on a completely flat or not completely flat. Sorry. I'm not a flat earther, by the way. (laughs) No, completely, (laughs) completely round right it's got dips and mountains and and you know i'm sure even by itself it's still a little bit off it's more oblong or something in any case right it was a pretty interesting project so you needed to definitely help us out um and look pretty nice too at the time yeah i mean you know it, it's funny it, it's sort of um i mean uh, Unity, like like a tool like Unity or any game engine, really, like these aren't the tools you would reach for to develop, you know, most um, like like productivity apps or that, you know what I mean? But at the same time, anything involving graphics, really. And and for example, you're talking about like something that needs to like simulate, you know, the, the look of a landscape or whatever is it the yeah anything involving graphics you know uh, uh, tools like Unity are great for and then yeah the fact that it's like ridiculously cross-platform is just super convenient yeah i mean so we were talking before the show you you said you looked a little bit at flutter but you never really got into it like what were you actually looking at flutter for so so i i so uh, yeah you make reference to you know us just chatting a little bit what we were chatting about is um like, like, basically, you made some comment about, like, you know, yeah, I mean, definitely a tool like Unity is is where you go to make games and Flutter, and um, and I was commenting, and I was just pointing out, like, that's true for like the vast majority of what anybody, you know, what the average person thinks of when when they think of video game. But on the other hand, there are certain kinds of games where it's sort of like, even though it's a game, it's still it's it's essentially like you know, like just this UI, like, you know what I mean? Like a, a text-based game or something. And then a tool like Flutter that actually is like super, um, is a really good tool for those kind of games. And so at one point, I, I never actually made it, but at one point I was thinking of making a game along those lines. And that's why I was evaluating um, some tools that uh, uh, would help me out. I mean, honestly, even for a game like that, Unity wouldn't be a terrible option, actually. But um, I, I did have some really specific requirements in mind that I, I that Flutter would be better for. Among other things, like um, I, I and I, and I know this is going to sound like a really weird requirement for a game, but I wanted to make something that would support um, 
you could play through a screen reader. So like, like, you know, blind people could play it with a screen reader. And it's like, you, you can do that with a tool like Flutter, but you, you can't really do that with Unity. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think there's, I mean, I feel like Unity is pretty mature. Game engines are very visual, right? People always talk right, about how right, it looks. Right. And like when you check out uh, a game, it's never really, okay, let me listen to the sound clip. No, it's like, let me see a screenshot of what it looks like. I mean, we're, we're both older, right? You remember going to Best Buy and like taking a look at a game and the cool, the box art and it looks cool, but then you immediately flip it over and take a look at the screenshots. That's also a, an era where like the, the box art was like, had nothing to do at all with what they would, with the game. Like these days, even, even if it's like an illustration, there's a lot more attention paid to make sure it at least like, you know, connects to the game. Whereas like back then, like the illust- it's like, who the hell illustrated this? It's like, you know, this has nothing to do with what they, I guess you, you can kind of see that these days though with the, you know, when you, when you have mobile ads for games, like, you know, some of these ads for games, like on mobile, it's like what they're advertising. It's like, is that actually what the game is like? We have a question from our audience, right? So the reason that we do this podcast live is because I want to give people a chance to chat with the guest sure. and ask any interesting questions that they have. Um, he's asking if you ever worked with Unity ECS. You know, it's funny. It's, um, I, he's, re- he's referring, by the way, for, you know, I guess those of you don't use Unity. Yeah. Uh, he's referring to the, uh, entity component system. That's, that's you know, ECS, but, um, I, the short answer is no. I mean, I've, I've never worked with it myself. Um, I have worked on projects where like one, somebody else, uh, one of the other engineers on the project was, was dealing with that stuff. Um, and it was interesting. I mean, the, the, on the one hand, the advantage of that approach is that you're, you're going to get, um, like, like just some processing, uh, speed ups, uh, of, of certain kinds of things. Like we'll just run faster. The big disadvantage though, that became really apparent once we started working that way is you just lose a lot of the like unity helping you do stuff, you know, like, like there's just a lot more you have to implement yourself in order, you know, if you're going down that route and that starts to feel a little pointless at that point because one of the, um, you know, I, I alluded to like, so one of the, the huge advantages of Unity is that it's ridiculously cross-platform. So like any platform you can think of. Probably the biggest though advantage of Unity, um, over certain other tools is just how easy it is to, to use. Like it, it's just everything's, everything's designed in a way that makes it, um, work pretty easy. And. Yeah, once you once you're de- dealing with ECS in Unity, you just kind of throw all that out the window, and then you know it's it's you know. Yeah, I think ECS is kind of like the n- most newish way to kind of structure your your app because I believe I heard something where if you do it the old way, you you have a limit to how much how many objects you can have because of the way inheritance works. I forgot what the I mean, uh, another they, podcast, I had a guy on there who talked about this. He's been making games for a long time and he was describing it that there's a, there, there could be a limit because it, objects just become very big in memory or something like sure, that. So, sorry sure. for cutting you off. No, no. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, you know, the, the, describing it as a limit is possibly misleading because, um, 
that's going to make it sound like there's there's like a really hard cutoff. Like you know, you got X number of objects that you can have, and once you hit X, then nothing else is going to work. It's not like that. It's it's more, you know, what I was saying earlier. I I was talking about like ECS gives you um a lot of performance improvements, uh, just a lot of processing advantages, and that. So like yeah, absolutely. The if you have a lot of objects and you're not using ECS, then your computer's just going to bog down more. Um, whereas like if you're using ECS, then you know things are just going to run smoother. Um, but like I said, the, the flip side of that, the, the downside is that, okay, but you're just going to have to do more yourself. It, it, it almost seems a little bit like at that point, why are you using Unity even? You know, I don't know. That, that's just my take on it, I suppose. We have another uh, question, which I think we talked about a little bit, but we can maybe you can give some more examples of this. Uh, has anyone ever created a multi-platform non-game app with Unity? Uh, well, I mean, definitely for sure. Um, as far as specific examples, it, it does depend, you know, because everybody's going to have be a have, a have a little bit of a different subjective sense of like what non-game means exactly or, or what game means exactly. And obviously non-game is the opposite of that. Because, I mean, the thing is, when I say I've been using Unity for about 10 years, it's not like I've been developing games that entire time. Um, I have been using Unity that entire time, but I haven't always been developing games, which would imply that a lot of my jobs have been using Unity to develop things that aren't games. But But like I said, the... The, the line can get blurry because pretty much any time you're develop, you're using Unity, you're going to, de- even if what you're developing isn't a game exactly, it's definitely going to be very game-like, you know? It's, it's going to have a, a, a lot of uh, resemblance to a game. Um, in particular, you know, for example, like, um, so I'm currently, by the way, I'm, I'm, so I'm currently working for Qualcomm. Um, but Qualcomm has this uh, gaming technologies group, uh, relatively small for such a huge company, uh, that just like focuses on developing games and, and how you know games run on Qualcomm's hardware, that kind of thing. Uh, before I started working for Qualcomm, though, so I was working for this startup called um, Bundle AR, and as the name kind of implies, it was it was making like just you know augmented reality apps. Uh, it was making them for mobile, so you know iOS and Android. It was these augmented reality apps, and and they weren't games, but they were still using augmented reality. So we were using Unity to make these like training simulation, AR training simulations, that kind of thing. Yeah, we have another question from from John, uh, which I think is, is a good question to ask, right? Because this can help to determine uh, if you can use Unity for non games, which is. It's a very general question, but I, I think we I kind of understand his, his question. So he's asking, how is the text handling for user input? So on the one hand, uh, the text handling has improved in Unity. It's improved massively um, now over what it was like when I first started using Unity, mostly because um, there's this tool, and uh, obviously the, the 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 exact name is not that important. It's it's called Text Mesh Pro, but anyway, it, it's this tool integrated into Unity to um, render out glyphs really high, with really high quality. Um, and so the, the text handling in Unity uh, these days is much better. And by these days, I mean like at least the last like five years or something. Like, well, you know, since they, they had that tool integrated. Uh, that said, if your, 
looking at a project which involves a lot of text or is heavily text-based or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's where you should strongly be considering like, okay, you know, some other sort of development platform may be more appropriate because um, Unity as a game engine is definitely, it's geared more towards like graphics than text. You know what I mean? Um, it's not necessarily geared towards um, being awesome at text. So depending on what your project is. Um, I don't know. Maybe you understand what the meaning of this one. He's asking about what about a attributed text, bold, italic, etc. On the one hand, that that's you know, TextMax Pro uh, handles like a bunch of different text attributes, like bold text or italicized text or whatever. But that, at the same time, that is an example of what I'm getting at, where like you know, it, it's not like Unity is designed to be like an like a you know, awesome at rendering out all kinds of neato text. It's, it's just not designed for that. What would be the the strength of Unity in comparison to other similar tools, right? So you have, the only ones that stick out to me is probably uh, Godot and Unreal. Um, like what would really kind of, why, why would I look well, at Unity? Well, compared to Unreal, uh, the, the ease of use for sure. Uh, it's just way easier to get into Unity than it would be um, Unreal. I, I'm tempted to say the other, uh, big, you know, uh, advantage is, is also an advantage for Unity, but I, I guess I'm, I'm less certain of that one. It's, it's just like, I, I, I feel like Unity is probably just more cross-platform, if you will, than Unreal. Like, you know, um, as for Godot, Godot's a really interesting option. Um, it's just plain, A, it's just plain newer. So, you know, it, it's, it, there's just not as much, stuff you know what i mean um so it's it's not as mature a tool is this you know how it is when when there's a certain like if a tool is not mature then there's not so much like a specific this is the problem as just generally like everything's a little you know dicey but um on top of that there's the fact that um and and unity by the way uh, also went through uh growing pains along the same lines um there's there's it's very up in the air or more up in the air in terms of its um, programming language, in terms of the programming backbone. Because so in Unity, all the programming is done in C sharp, um, in the language C sharp. This was not true when Unity, like when it was, when it first came out. Uh, when it first came out, it, it um, used a language which quote unquote was JavaScript. I use quotes though, because it was like, Unity's version of JavaScript. It, it definitely wasn't normal JavaScript. And, um, then they introduced C sharp. And so now you could either use their, what people refer to as Unity script, or you could use C sharp. And then eventually it just kind of dropped the Unity script because ever, you know, using the C sharp was so much better. Um, I feel like Godot is in the midst of a similar kind of growing pains where it's, it's just, yeah, uh, there, there's like, I, I forget what their language that they started with is called. I think it's GD script or something, but, and then now it's, it's also supporting C sharp now. <laughs> and then, so, you know, yeah, who knows? As far as Unreal, I, uh, to be fair, I, I should also, one of its upsides, I should, uh, point out, like, so first off, Unreal is just straight up. It's, it's the main, um, engine used by you know big time game developers um even though 
Unity has has um, a rightful claim to being the most used game engine. Uh, it's it's used more than Unreal is. Unreal's used more in all the big studios. <laughs> uh, like Unity has very little penetration in like the really big game studios. It, where where it gets used a ton is is for all these like smaller studios or or mobile games or, or independent games that kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's speaking to the Unreal being way harder to get into. For example, like it's programmed in C++, which is just a more complicated language for people to start working with. Um, you, you can do a lot with a feature called blueprints in Unreal, but, but again, that's like a whole other ecosystem that, you know, it's it sort of starts to like, I mean, actually, uh, getting back to what we were saying earlier about the, the whole Flutter and Unity having some sort of integration. That's the thing is you can do that with Unity. You can't do that kind of thing with Unreal, you know, so. I want to kind of go back to the languages, right? That was, I mean, I was around when you had three languages you could use within Unity. It was like Boo, which I think was a yeah, Python-like yeah. language. And then there was, like you said, the JavaScript one. And then they also had C-sharp. Boo, I have to assume, was like somebody's pet project there. Cause like, I don't, I'm like, I'm just like, did any users of Unity use Boo really? Like, you know, I'm like, that was, that was confusing. As far as the whole Unity script thing though, it's, um, so when I first encountered Unity, um, and, and technically this was actually even before I worked at Synapse Games, like, uh, um, the first time I, I ever, wrote anything in Unity was even before I started working for Synapscapes, actually. But at the time, I used their Unity script to write something. So then um, later, though, when, when I started using it for real uh, at Synapse Games, I, I just went, you know, we just went with C Sharp. And um, one of the first things I did then is take my, uh, th this demo I wrote years ago in Unity script and just like ported over, rewrite it with C Sharp. And, and the syntax was so much nicer. And even though I didn't know it at the time, it turns out that was future-proofing things because now I can still run that that you know that that demo. Um, even though like Unity for quite some time now has completely dropped all support for Unity, like it just plain won't run uh, that's that code anymore. Yeah, on another podcast I'm on, um, I interviewed this guest who's making like an easier wrapper game engine around an existing game engine. I guess she's called a wrapper whatever um he was talking about when he was trying to learn unity and he was like first he's like because he's a python developer right and uh so he picked boo which i think was the name of i forgot which one's which right so he picked the, he picked the python like syntax one and then he's like crap they dropped that one all right i'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna use i'm gonna use the javascript one because i'm a full stack guy i know javascript crap they dropped that one too because it was around similar time not too far after and he was like, geez, forget about this. I'm not going to get into Unity now. Because well, you know, it, it is funny. I mean, so first of all, like, like I said, the, the fact that they ever referred to it as JavaScript was, was such a lie. Because, you know, like, like I said, it, it, it really, it, the resemblance to, to JavaScript in other places, I mean, JavaScript in the browser, which is the only place that, that really defines, like, this is what JavaScript is, is how JavaScript runs in the browser. The JavaScript in Unity did not run like JavaScript in a browser, which meant, you know, like I said, a lot of people quite rightly were like, okay, well, then this isn't JavaScript. We're, we're going to call it Unity script because it's a totally separate language. It just 
happens to share some of its syntax with JavaScript. But um, as far as C Sharp goes, though, um, at a basic level, it's it's quite easy to pick up, actually. So um, obviously, your your friend there. I mean, you know, now it's too little, too late. Doesn't really matter. But um, if if for encountering him, you know, right now, if I were encountering him right now, uh, I would just say like. Even though you've never programmed in C sharp before, I would say just, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to take you, like, it's not going to be hard to pick up, honestly. Like, um, in my case, uh, I, for example, I, so I, I'd been programming in ActionScript three, which was, uh, you know, in Flash. Uh, but the thing is, so ActionScript three was basically, um, Adobe's ripoff of Java is, is what it was. Like, you know, and considering that C sharp is in some ways like basically Microsoft's ripoff of Java, then it, it actually felt very familiar to me. It's like, wow, I, I already know exactly how, you know, all of this works. Um, coming from Python. Yeah. I mean, it's going to look more different than, um, in that case, but I mean, it would still, at least the logic of it, like how it operates, is still going to feel very familiar because it's an object-oriented language. You know, uh, once you know how, like, sort of classes operates, how inheritance works, then, it, like, no matter which language you're dealing with, like, you know, those sort of abstract concepts are, are going to be like they operate the same way. I'm kind of curious about how close it is to uh, C sharp, right? Because I'm sure it cannot be one to one like when a new version of C sharp comes out, you get a new version of Unity and it's going to be exactly the same. Actually, so the C sharp in Unity is just straight up like it's not like Unity's version of C sharp. It's just straight up C sharp, which already was one of was a huge advantage. Like versus whereas like JavaScript in Unity was sort of like yeah, JavaScript. C sharp's not like that. It's just straight up. It is C sharp. That said, um, it does. You know, uh, as you know, like, or as you intuit there, um, it does tend to lag a bit behind sort of like, um, the dot, you know, the latest dot net version or whatever. But that's not a case of like, they've made a separate language. They're just like a version behind, uh, what is the latest version that's been released. Um, you know, it's, it's like if C sharp, I don't know, version seven has just been released and Unity's still using C sharp version six, it'll be, it'll be that kind of situation. So, um, but yeah, it's very much like working in Unity. You're using C sharp, programming C sharp. Actually, the, the biggest difference, uh, the, the biggest confusion there, uh, for people who are really, um, experienced with C sharp coming into Unity is just like, the whole ecosystem around the language is is going to be uh, changed for them. The language itself is going to operate exactly the same, but they no longer have access to stuff like NuGet, for example, which is like um, in C sharp, it's, it's the package manager. Like you know, Unity doesn't work the same way as far as its package. And I think it's using Mono underneath too. So Mono. Like uh, the... it, it was um, the situation there is a lot more complicated these days. Um, in fact, with my book, before we talk too much about this, I just want to give a, can you, do you mind to give a quick background of like, what is mono and more about this? Oh, stuff? oh sure. This sure. Flutter podcast. Yeah. Uh, back when, um, C sharp and, and .NET, uh, were, were first released, uh, were first developed by Microsoft. Um, they only worked on windows. 
you know, uh, uh, .NET was like this, you know, um, uh, tool for programming like on Windows based servers, that kind of thing. Um, Mono then was this open source project. I think it was open source. I don't know, whatever. It was a project to develop sort of a uh, cross platform, uh, you know, sort of like layer for C sharp. So like, in other words, you can have your C sharp programs running on Linux now using Mono, that kind of thing. Um, it's largely at this point, Mono's become uh, redundant. And, and then meanwhile, within Unity itself, uh, even though you're still programming in C sharp all the time, now there's more of a, um, instead of like running on a virtual machine being provided by Mono or something like that, it's actually like getting compiled down into native code and then like transpiled over, um, to work natively. I don't, honestly, I don't know the details of that entire process. I do, but like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like, for example, um, uh, nscriptm, like that, for example, that's just a tool which for Unity's web deployments, like it just takes your code and then turns it into like web assembly using like these, uh, these like transpiling tools and stuff like that. So that's why these things exist. Or similarly for iOS, it's sort of like because you know, um, Apple doesn't like you, you know, doesn't, isn't going to let you run your code on top of some sort of virtual machine. Then like all of their code has to actually be like sort of compiled down into, uh, you know, the native code for, for Apple, that kind of thing. That's quite interesting because I remember like when everyone runs something in .NET, you always had to install this .NET runtime similar to the JRE. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm talking about is, is how Unity gets around requiring that is by essentially having like this tool chain, which now compiles it down into native code instead of requiring you to run on top of like the not .NET runtime or mono runtime. Yeah. That's super interesting. So that that's a really great comparison with the way Flutter works too, right? Because uh, Flutter's kind of got two different runtime modes. I don't think Unity does the same thing, but like the runtime mode is like you have this hot reload thing where it's like it ships a VM to your device, even for iOS, Android. And every time you do, you save a file, it could actually just compile the code and send that change up to the VM and hot reload your, your, your app so that you can see the changes as you're developing. To actually, like you said, you can't ship a VM to the app store, so you have to compile it to native. So Dart also has that native compilation, which will give you exactly what you're talking about. But I'm guessing that probably has the same thing where it also has to ship some small components, such as a garbage collector, because obviously, I mean, C Sharp, you're not explicitly, explicitly releasing data like you would in C++ for Unreal. So you have something, I guess, must be very similar. No, and then it, it's funny, but incidentally, you mentioned garbage collection. Just because, like, I I just have, like, a side note in my book at one point um, for people just talking about garbage collection and, and just one oddity about it in Unity, which... I mean, in retrospect, it makes perfect sense, but it's sort of like it could catch you off guard initially. It's sort of like in Unity, even if you release all references to an object in your code, there could still be a reference to that object in Unity itself. And um, so that's why Unity's API includes this command to destroy objects. So like basically what, what can, it, so like destroy what, what it's literally doing is it's telling the engine like, okay, you don't care about this object anymore. Um, at that point, so what can happen is, like, even if you you clear out all references to an object in your code, if you haven't destroyed the object, 
unity would still be hanging onto a reference to that object. Meanwhile, the reverse can also happen where like you destroy an object, but you haven't released your references to the object. So in either case, you get this situation where like it can't be swept up by garbage collection because there's still a reference to the object. But you know what I mean? So like I said, it's in retrospect, that makes perfect sense. But until I point this out, it's sort of like, oh yeah, that could trip you up a little. Well, that's that's a little worrisome that I mean actually so that's actually something I wanted to bring up about sorry is like the like it is a garbage collected language, right? Mm-hmm. So and for me, like garbage collection always has this stigma like, you know, stop the world and I need to search the memory and like how can like I'm always thinking in my mind, how can Unity be a good choice for a game engine when it's garbage collected, right? So like out here we have people who are writing low latency Java, which to me doesn't really make sense because of the garbage collection where Somehow they can, they can use this to write very, very high, very fast working code in Java with very little bit of allocations, which helps to kind of keep it going. Like, how can I be, you know, how, how can I run an engine where things are always changing and be, feel comfortable that I'm, a user is not going to have a bad experience at some point? As you mentioned, like, there, there are ways of writing the code to minimize the number of allocations. And the other, the other thing, he, that ends up happening with um, with games, which is interesting, is like you make sure not to release objects until you're comfortable with them being garbage collected. Um, so in other words, like, okay, so there's this technique called object pooling um, in game development where basically if you are going to need enemies, you know, spawning in, and then, you know, the player kills them and the enemy's gone and, they, and then more enemies spawn in. Well, then instead of like constantly being creating and destroying these enemy objects, what you can do is actually just sort of like when an enemy is killed, just move it off screen or, or hide it or whatever. And then next time you need an enemy to spawn, just grab this one and put it back in. And, and so in other words, like the actual like memory has never been created or destroyed. It's just kind of moved, you know? And, and yeah, you, you do stuff like that. Um, that's one part of my response. The other part though, getting circling way back to, you know, the ECS thing from earlier. This is among the things that ECS is, you know, can, can uh, help streamline is, um, just again, like just streamlining the, the, the flow of the data. Um, but as I was, I was saying, like at that point, it's sort of like, you know, yeah, you're, you got to manage more of it yourself. So it's just like, it just becomes more complicated. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's so, so actually the, the other thing I would point out though, um, for, uh, you know, for your listeners, the other thing I'd point out though is like these kind of concerns also to a certain extent, I mean, they, they become ve- like, I'm sure you've heard that programming maximum about like, you know, premature optimization being the root of all evil. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like worrying about this stuff sometimes, depending on what you're creating can be a bit of a, a premature optimization kind of trap where it's sort of like if you're making Grand Theft Auto five and you were trying to do in Unity, yeah, A, it probably wouldn't work. The Unity is not really designed for that kind of open world huge game but more to the point unless you're making like some really really huge detailed game like that a lot of this stuff you're just not gonna hit some of these limitations anyway you know um 
And so just spending lots of time worrying about it is, is it's just kind of like you're worrying about the wrong thing, you know? So there must be ways that we can actually measure, you know, how our code's doing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there's certainly uh, different profiling tools and whatnot. I mean, it, obviously, w- when you're when you're uh, working with games, um, the the way like what is being profiled can change from what you may be used to in other kinds of apps. I mean, among other things, like you start needing to profile the graphics, like you, you know, what what is the the graphics card? What is the GPU spending its time doing? Like what? You know, what, what is it spending its time rendering onto the screen? That kind of thing. More of your profiling effort is going to, is going to start going into that kind of stuff. But, um, profiling the CPU still matters for sure. I mean, just, you know, where, where are the, uh, I don't know, expensive loops happening in my code? That kind of thing. And then can I break them out? Or, um, another thing that I personally have, uh, you know, ended up doing a lot of is, um, you know, as I'm, I'm profiling, um, I also start to see like, okay, but what are things like, what are tasks that I can break out over, you know, um, uh, over some like multiple frames or something? Because, you know, w- with a game, uh, naturally you, you're going to have like, okay, here's, here's one frame of the graphics being displayed and then a bunch of stuff's happening. Another gra- frame's going to be displayed, you know, yada, yada. But like sometimes the, calculations happening between the frames like they don't always need to be happening like um a a great example there would be like there are certain ai calculations which you know maybe my first naive approach would be to have that calculation happen in every frame for every single enemy in the game but then if i realize through profiling that that's too expensive um i might start like staggering you know which ai actually makes that particular update every frame and the reason being that i mean you know realistically you know how how long does it take you to react to like something happening you know what i mean like you don't need the ai to be like constantly monitoring the environment around it like every single frame yeah our friend of the show john cumming who's been asking the questions about text uh just stated that you know root of all evil premature optimization definitely true yeah and like I said, it, with with games, um, I mean, games have their own sort of version of that because, like, every kind of development, it, it always seems like there's there's this thing people worry about that, like, you know, may, maybe they 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 shouldn't be spending all their time worrying. About. And with games, uh, worrying so much about uh, what is what are the 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 like how much of a performance hog like this or that thing is, um, can, you know, it, it can be a premature optimization kind of problem because it's sort of like, well, until your game actually starts running slow, though, maybe it just doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. Actually, uh, there is one thing I did want to ask about. Um, so one of the praises about Flutter is the excellent tooling, right? So we have this, because it's running a VM during debug, we can hook into the VM and we can get a lot of stats like, you know, uh, actually, even about frame rates, right? Because they always boast we got 60 frames per second. So you can see dips in frames and you can see, you know, you got debugger, things like that. Uh, so the tooling specifically for your app development is uh, rather good in comparison to some others out there. 
what about the tooling within Unity, right? That's kind of built into if I just install Unity or like, or is it something I have to reach out to other places to get? Like, how can I, you know, get the most out of my Unity and make sure it's burning as well as it can be? On the one hand, there's the tooling built into Unity itself. And then there's the, the tooling that's actually provided by platforms you'd be running. And that tooling tends to be, um, more about the graphics themselves. Like, so information about how the graphics are performing is often going to be reported to you by the platform itself. Um, a great example of that being like, for example, uh, uh, if you have an iOS app, let's say you're, you're making a mobile game and you have an iOS app, um, then Apple's tools, Apple provides, provides a lot of tools for reporting, um, about, you know, how your rendering performance is going, that kind of thing. Um, as far as the CPU performance, you know, what's happening on the compute side though, that tends to be more, um, in Unity. It's, you know, Unity is providing that. You're, you tend to be more relying on Unity. Now, one thing Unity does, which, um, is super useful. This is somewhat of a tangent because I, this isn't talking about the tooling necessarily, but it, it just oh, in that same sort of vein, like just talking about like debugging or, or how you can, you know, fix problems in your app. Uh, one thing that Unity does that's super useful. And, um, I don't know that this is unique per se, but, um, I've never worked with, you know, I hadn't worked with any other tools that do this. So that it's pretty cool. While the game is running, you can like, like, so basically Unity does this thing where like, um, while you're working on the game, you know, to, to, to save you time, you, you don't constantly have to be deploying to the target device. You know, you can just be running it in the editor. Um, that in and of itself isn't the unique part, but, um, so Unity works that way. But what that also means though is then, um, while you're running in the editor, it has the capability for you to keep editing the game while it's running. Um, and among other things that lets you just sort of like, navigate around the scene and just look at things and i don't know it is pretty handy to be able to uh even while the game is running continue to like treat it like you're you're still just sort of like editing you still have all the the tools to be able to you know edit the scene while the game is running it, it's the way it's designed it's like any change you make while the game is running isn't saved into the scene you know it, it's sort of like every all those changes are going to be reverted but the point is you get to inspect stuff, you know, while it's running. And that's really helpful. Yeah, that, that sounds like, you know, the hot code reload from Flutter where you can kind of tweak things as you're going along. But it's maybe a little bit more permanent because you're literally saving to the file and it's kind of coming up. But you're saying that for this part, you can only tweak it. And then, like, you have to kind of go back and add your changes back to the file again after you tweak things? Yeah, well, and, and I mean, it's funny. It's It's sort of like if you make changes because those changes aren't going to be saved permanently. Um, it can actually be a bit of a, uh, a, a gotcha in that sense where like I make a change and then I'm like, why didn't my change save? And it's like, Oh, right. I made it while the game was running. But the thing is, this isn't intended for you to be making changes anyway. It's really intended more so that you can inspect things while it's running, you know, like while the game is running, you can be like, huh, why is, you know, I don't know. Why is that enemy over there doing that thing? And then you can actually like, you know, go over and click on that enemy and inspect, you know, like the, the stats for that enemy. And be like, oh. Okay. 
Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty nice. I think that I think anything visual, you really need that that kind of thing where if you can play with it while it's running because it, it's always like the thing. It's always like you're compiling it and you're like, ah, oh, damn, I forgot to you know change the color or something like that. And you're like, ah, oh, crap, I got to stop it from compiling, change it, recompile it again. And then it's always like after it's running, oh yeah, this one too. Uh, why didn't I do that? And then you have to stop it again. The the cycle is crazy. There's definitely that, but there's also the fact that, um, and and while this is uh, going to be true to a certain extent with any kind of app, this is especially true with like games or simulation kind of apps. It's you you just have a lot of things, you more things that you need to see running live, you know. Whereas um, versus like I you know with other kinds of development, I feel like just dropping in a breakpoint. Um, you know, while you're still going to do that in Unity, it's just less useful because as soon as you hit the breakpoint, the game stops. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, there, there's just generally going to be more problems where, like, you need to actually inspect it while the game is going. Like, you need to be seeing things live happening. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely... I know something like if you try to, like, wrap, uh, like, a... What do they call that? Is it a mesh or a pattern, like around like a shape, right? I'm just thinking like, like Goldeneye when they had like the faces and they, you know wrap it around the uh, the shape, the polygons and stuff, things like that. That would be uh, interesting. Okay, uh, I think I got a pretty good round of 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 information about this. Uh, I think it's pretty good kind of introduction to you know using Unity and why you'd want to take a look at it. And uh, we actually our friend of the show again just mentioned in the chat that he's. Uh, He's downloading Unity Personal for his Mac OS right now, so maybe you inspired him to kind of <laughs> take another look at it or, or something. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to say? I also have a couple of wrap-up questions. I guess I would just, you know, just sort of um, uh, reiterate that uh, my my book is, um, you know, is 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 great for somebody who's already a seasoned developer wanting to learn Unity. Um, because so one one thing that um, that I find, uh, happens a lot with seasoned developers is, um, it, it happens a lot less these days. I, I have to admit because over time, like where people like get it, you know, the truth is out there, if you will. But, uh, definitely when I first started using Unity, this was a huge problem is, um, for various reasons and Unity itself is part of the, was part of the problem is like their marketing did this, but, um, they like people just didn't think it was a tool that you could do programming in. Like they, they seem to think it was a tool that you just kind of like click together and you're not programming and then stuff happens. And it's like, it's not like that at all. It is definitely a tool you're doing real programming in to get stuff to happen. Um, so I, I, I would, yeah, that's, that's what I would point out is, um, if anything, these days it, between, you know, Unity and Unreal, for example, Unity has the reputation of being the more programmer-friendly tool um, than Unreal, in in large part because uh, it cares a lot more about, it seems like um, uh, a lot more attention is paid to, um, the, you know, sort of like not just games, with the result that, for example, Unity has like integrations with Flutter and stuff like that. Yeah, your comment about the uh, for developer thing uh, again. The, the same guy who wrote the wrapper, he was talking about like 
Uh, he ran into some bugs within the game engine and he kind of reached out to the team and they were like, they kind of came back to him and they were like, listen, you know, uh, yeah, there's a bug there. We'll fix it eventually. But for the time being, you know, why don't you just ask your support guy who helps to support the engine on your side to uh, make a workaround for this? And he's just like, I'm one guy by myself. I don't have a whole team over here to help support the Unreal Engine. Like, I just want to make my game. <laughs> that was kind of why, why he didn't go the Unreal route. So that's, that's another thing too. Like, and I'm guessing that, you know, how, how does, how does Unity handle this kind of thing if you find a bug in the, uh, in the engine itself? You know, if, if somebody finds like, you know, an engine level bug or whatever, like, it'll probably take them a little bit of time to, you know, like fix that or whatever. But, I mean, the, 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 like, okay, so, um, Unity, uh, in terms of versions, actually, another interesting thing I should point out, um, that they have sort of like their latest version of Unity, but then they, they have this, what they refer to as LTS releases. LTS stands for long-term support. So the idea with the LTS versions is your feature set is going to be frozen in time now. However, it's going to keep integrating bug fixes. So um, the idea with an LTS version is, for example, like, let's say for, you know, because of the plugins you're using, they, they you know, they're locked into like the, you know, the previous uh, version of, of Unity or something like that. Well, then, so you can st still be using that version of Unity. But let's say just as, oh, this is a totally random example. This is never happens ever in real life. God damn it. Anyway, let's say Apple changes their requirements. So now iOS apps need to have this or that, you know, feature enabled in order to be submitted. Like now, you know, now they all have to have 64 bit support. It was obviously a thing that happened at one point. Um, that kind of thing. And that's that change would have to be made at the engine level in Unity. Well, now that change can be integrated into the long-term support version, but nothing else changes. So you know what I'm saying? That way you're getting bug fixes. You're benefiting from the bug fixes while still being frozen in time feature-wise because for you know various reasons, you might have to do that. That's, you know, as you can imagine, that kind of uh, duality uh, in terms of the support can be very helpful then because now you're able to get your bugs fixed without having this sort of like, well, you're just kind of stuck on an old version. Sorry. You know, it's, it's cause yeah, that would really suck. Yeah. Okay. It kind of reminds me of like Ubuntu. They have always this LTS that they run for a couple of years and just bug fixes. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that, that they had this system. Is this something that came out a couple of years ago with this LTS version? I, I don't know when they started doing it. Um, it's definitely relatively new. Uh, I, I want to say like maybe three years they've been doing this. Um, because yeah, like before that, you know, things would get a little, um, comparatively hairy in terms of like, you know, if there were bug fixes, but you were stuck on an older version of Unity, then how do you benefit from this bug fix? Then, you know, that was becoming, you know, enough of a, a you know, a hairy situation uh, often enough that Unity just decided like, okay, you know what, we're, we're going to do this sort of like two-tiered release kind of thing. So, Okay. Um, yeah, if there's nothing else, then I can give my last couple of questions. 
basically, do you have any tips or tricks for beginners or any kind of warnings you want to give to them when they're starting off in the Unity journey? Specific tips and tricks? I mean, you know, I, as you can imagine, um, ha- having written an entire book about Unity, it's, it's sort of like, well, my book is peppered with, you know, tips. Uh, so it's hard for me to say like, oh, yeah, this is the most important ones. You know, so I, I mentioned before, by the way, uh, Text Mesh Pro um, for text handling in Unity. How, how is this for a tip? If Make sure if your game involves any text in it, which almost all games are going to involve some amount of text in them, uh, you're using Text Mesh Pro and you're not just using like sort of the vanilla uh, text objects Unity provides. Because at this point, honestly, I'm actually a little annoyed that Unity still even supports their vanilla text objects. I have to assume the the fact that it's even still in there is just legacy reasons. Like, you know, so that old projects won't like just sort of break. Um, because, yeah, I, I, if you were coming to Unity, developing a, a new project from scratch in Unity, you should not be using the vanilla text objects. You should be using TextMesh Pro because it is so much better. Um, and like I said, the fact that there even still are the, the vanilla text objects is a little bit annoying to me because that's going to make, you know, newcomers confused like, Oh, well, shouldn't I be using that? And it's like, no. Okay. It's pretty good. Um, our, our buddy John Cumming just said there's no M1 version of Unity yet. <laughs> M1? I guess it'll take some time. Yeah. For oh, Apple. Oh, M1 gotcha. Chips, gotcha. Right? For Apple. Yeah. Yes. You know, I would not be surprised though if uh Unity they they just sort of like recompile their engine for that very very soon. I mean, cuz that like basically it's it's one of those things where it's sort of like support for um uh platform level changes like that uh the the support like how quickly Unity responds to those changes um it can depend on the change. It can depend on the severity, but let's face it. It can depend a lot on the platform and um, like just something like, you know, yeah, let's, let's get our engine running on the Apple computers. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to get on that ball pretty quickly. Well, uh, I mean, so it, it's funny, a little quirk of history with unity, which most people like, forget because it doesn't really matter that much these days but it is interesting unity back when it first was created um it was actually mac only um you know i i i I was talking about how uh you know sort of like ridiculously cross-platform it is i as you can imagine though that happened over time like and its first release was mac only and uh and now admittedly it it didn't even take it like I think it was like a matter of like like months. Like we're talking like four months before I had a Windows build. But still, it did not have a Windows build when it was first released. That's odd considering like C Sharp and, and they're using Mono. But Well, but but again, re- remember what I said. It, it didn't start supporting C Sharp until sometime later. And then once it did, they, they were like, wow, this is so much better than our built-in you know, made up JavaScript. Yeah, n- never mind. <laughs> Use this. So, yeah. Oh, I thought you, I thought the C sharp support was there from the beginning. No, no, um, it's not. Okay, it's it's interesting. I wonder why I decided to add C sharp out of all the other languages, though. I couldn't tell you the exact answer. Um, I will say though, uh, 
as a uh, my personal suspicion would be that um, there's just even though C sharp uh, isn't a language that's used a lot uh, within the game itself, you know, other than Unity, of course, like you know, when when you're looking at a game engine like Unreal or you're looking at these um, these different uh, big game companies that their internal tools, um, they're they're going to be like these C plus plus engines. However, C sharp does get used a lot um, in game studios, uh, mostly for um, uh, writing tools, actually. And because C Sharp was a language getting used so much in um, uh, in game studios, that, I suspect, is the reason that they wanted to have C Sharps, you know, Unity wanted to have C Sharp support is just because there were so many people in game studios who knew C Sharp. They're like, oh, yeah, let's get all these people. And then once the language is actually integrated, they, they just realized, like, for other reasons, wow, this is actually a really great choice. So, I'm wondering if it's because, like, a lot of games are kind of written for PC rather than Mac and Linux, that, and C Sharp is kind of the language for Windows apps. So maybe that's got some relation to that. Mm. Plus, you have the large corporations that usually have Windows. And they're managed and they're locked down and you have to use Outlook and all these kind of things that you're kind of stuck in that ecosystem. Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm just trying to think about why that would be. Um, that kind of comes to my mind why maybe C Sharp would be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, but it would be good to actually hear somebody from Unity to see what, what, you know, what was the kind of evolution? What was the, the roadmap and what happened? So um, I don't think they'd be saying, oh, yeah, uh, that was a mistake to make uh, boo. <laughs> and then they say, mm, it's, it's part of the evolution, you know. <laughs> you got you to gotta crawl first. When I, I, I refer to the, sort of like this ancient history of Unity, I mean, back then, Unity isn't a thing anyone heard about. Uh, you know, it, it, it didn't, Unity didn't start being an engine that anyone really cared about until... Um, like iOS was invented, like because obviously you know when did iOS first come out? Like well, like two thousand eight, and then very quickly after that, um, I don't remember now exactly how long, but but quickly, uh, very quickly after that, Unity started supporting it, and I'm pretty sure Unity was like the first three D engine which actually could like you know um, deploy games onto iOS, which so, I mean, that was a major feather in their cap um, at the time. And so uh, they they got a lot of traction really fast because of that. Uh, yeah, I could imagine that. Okay, uh, I think we need to wrap over here way over time. Um, and I do appreciate, you know, use, you know your time and, and all the background you can give. So I think I'll have to plan on looking at Unity whenever I have a chance. And uh, definitely check out your, check out his book. Uh, seems like it should be a good, you know, just from chatting with you and just kind of glancing at the book a little bit. That it seems like, you know, it should be a pretty good resource for people who are interested in checking out Unity. Yeah, um, yeah. So I well, appreciate I, your time. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on. I, you know, it's 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 like when we we're chatting before. Is one of the things I was pointing out is is definitely, you know, if if anyone's curious about Unity and wants to chat with me about Unity, I'm like, I'm I'm there, dude. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. yeah, you know it's it, it's one of those things where it's it's funny. It's because I've written a book about Unity. There are some people who seem to think I 
I don't know. I have some sort of like personal stake in this tool. And it's like, uh, well, no, on the one hand, no. I mean, like I used to, before I started using Unity, I used to use other tools and I just switched because it was, it was the best choice at the time. Um, and I, you know, it's not like I, I work for Unity. So no, I, I don't have any personal stake in Unity. So uh, I guess what I mean is like, if somebody points out downsides in Unity, I'm not, I'm not going to be like uh, personally offended or something. Um, but the flip side of it is like, yeah, but I mean, after all these years and what, like almost a, de- you know, around a decade, I, I've, I've been using it. I, I mentioned, I mean, I'm still using it by choice because it's, I think it's a really great tool. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, I, I think I have to, uh, I think everybody should just check it out and see for themselves. Right. It may or may not be the right fit for you. So you'll find out once you start playing with it, uh, the C sharp thing. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about C-sharp for just a second. Like C-sharp was kind of like a copy so forth of Java, but now it's actually become something on its own, I would say. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's changed quite a bit. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, C-sharp is also another interesting language to take a look at. Sure. No, it, it's definitely, it's, it's, when I, when I described it as, uh, as you point out, like at least, you know, when it was first created and not, not so much it's evolved definitely, but like when it was first created, I mean, when I described it as like pretty much, uh, it, it was, and it started out as like Microsoft's ripoff of Java. I'm, I didn't say that as like some sort of dig on C sharp. I, I really like C sharp actually. I, I think it's a great language. I like programming in it. I'm just, you know, just. Objectively, I mean, that's pretty much how it started, right? So, yeah. Okay. Again, thank you for coming on. And, uh, yeah, check out his book. And I just wanted to also let you guys know, if you're interested to purchase his book, please buy it directly from manning.com. Do not buy it from Amazon or other places. And that's because if you buy it from manning.com directly, uh, he will get a bigger cut uh, because, obviously, you know, Amazon has to take a certain cut. Uh, and then, of course, they give whatever left to Manning, and Manning takes their cut, and then you get kind of the the cents on the dollar, right, <laughs> from from the book. So if you if you are interested in Unity and you want to really help him out, it's, he's not going to get rich from his royalties from the book. Uh, but I think the point is, you know, try to give him as much as you can because you know every developer needs coffee. <laughs> so <laughs> it's coffee and money at this point, I think, for every book he sells. Uh, again. Uh, but yeah, so I just want to make that very clear. Buy the book from Manny.com. Do not buy it from Amazon and others because it definitely more more uh, support goes to him. Uh, again, uh, thank you for your time. And um, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on again in the future if something kind of some substantial changes. Otherwise, I think it's a great entry to talk about Unity. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much. <laughs>